Hi, this is Dave Shu. For those of you who don't know, I'm a family physician, and once a week I do a podcast called Medical Dads with my co-host, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician from Ottawa, Ontario. Stu and I talk about all things parenting, from the ridiculous to the sublime. So check it out and make it part of your week. Now available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome to Unique Stories, a podcast where we talk to people about the stories that make up their lives, where they've been, what they've done, where they are heading, and more. I'm your host, David Shu. Thanks for listening. Today, my guest is Luki Danucargento. He's the founder of Focus Inspired, a career mentoring coach and the author of a book called Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, a book about how to unlock your career potential. And most importantly, him and I went to school years and years ago for probably a good, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And we reconnected recently when I found his book online. I was like, okay, this is actually really interesting stuff. It kind of goes with what I think about education, and sometimes it goes against what I think about education. So I thought he would be a really good person to talk to as, as we try to unlock some of our understanding about how, how learning takes place and how we could help people around us learn, especially our children and ourselves. Thanks for having me on, Dave. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. So the thing that we wanted to talk about, like Luki and I had talked about this in the background about what should we talk about on the show? And we came up with a topic where we actually have pretty different opinions. And it's this concept, it's this topic of higher education and specifically university, right? And his whole point to me is that university may not be the best option for many people, right? In fact, it probably isn't the best option for most people. If you read his book, it's kind of like, you don't need to go to university at all for the most part, right? And this kind of thing hits me kind of hard because I'm a school guy. Like I went to school forever. I've always thought that, you know, my university period was a very important, you know, seminal period in my existence that I wouldn't give back for anything. And now this guy's challenging my idea about how important it really is. Um, so our main question is, is university relevant in 2020 or even more, moreover as parents, is it relevant? Is it going to be relevant in 2035 when it's time for our children to go to university? Why and why not? Yeah. So there's a few caveats to that this discussion in that. I mean, if you think about uh, how the whole university system came to be, uh, it, it was designed pretty much well for what it was intended to do uh, about a, 100, 150 years ago. <laughs> right? uh, unfortunately, it hasn't really evolved since then. Right. So with the advancements of, of technology, it's not to say that it's not a, a, a good thing to have. It's there's so many more alternatives that uh, there really hasn't been much evolution uh, from a learning perspective. Right. Because uh, mm. it used to be back in the day, uh, like even in ancient times, uh, th there weren't very many books, right? So there had to be one guy in the front that, that was uh, 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 speaking and lecturing uh, because he was the only one that actually literally had the book, right? Because they didn't have printing presses right. and things like that, right? But now, like, everyone has a book. Everyone has an iPad. Everyone has a laptop. Everyone can do a whole bunch of other things. So couldn't we do things a little bit different? Um, and and mm. there's all sorts of different uh, reasons. Uh, and so it's not a nobody should go to school that that's not the stance that i'm taking it's you want to think about should school be the right alternative for you is really the question that i'm posing there right so for for mm -hmm. you as a doctor right 
you have to go to school, right? <laughs> There's basically no no ifs, ands, or buts on that. It's it's a regulated field. Right. It's a professional designation, right? There's no way you you can be a doctor without going to school, and and right. really the only reason that's the case is is it's it's government mandated, right? Um, right. It's mandated. Regulated. As I thought about it, I was like, "Yeah, he's kind of right. Most of the stuff I learned is not essential to me being a doctor, right. especially the stuff I learned in university." Yeah, and and a different way of thinking about it is uh, that could you have learned all those things in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think uh, doctor is one of those good things where it actually uh, takes the the learning experience to uh, on the good side, right? If you think about it, your your residency. There's a whole lot of value in that, right? You, you have a whole bunch of kind of academic learning. Uh, you, you do your undergrad. You learn a whole bunch of things. And then you actually go out in the real world and actually put it into place. Now, mm-hmm. uh, outside of, uh, of, of do- being a doctor, there, there aren't too many other uh, professions that, that require you to do that. Um, some mm-hmm. programs have co-op, right, internships and things like that, where you, you get to go out on work term and do things like that. But uh, that's probably a smaller minor, uh, minority of, of the programs that are out there. Um, and, and other ones, you actually don't get that world uh, ex- experience and actually get to do uh, your stuff. So uh, th- there's caveats on this. So on, on a broad brush stroke, uh, I have uh, a challenge for those that automatically assume that, that university is the right way to go or, or college or that, <laughs> that matter. Uh, but there are other uh, certain professions like like law for sure, uh, accounting, any professional designation where it's uh, you're legally required to have some sort of certification, right. you have to do that. But something like I like mean, marketing, English, writing, right? Mm. Uh, to be a good writer, do you have to go to university? Well, it's kind of sad that the only thing that you can come up with where you have to go to university is these things where it's mandated. Mm-hmm. That you do it right there's no actual learning that makes you a better lawyer according to this th- argument it's just that someone made this rule it's very arbitrary that you need a bachelor's to be able to apply to a higher school mm-hmm. right and it's kind of sad if our whole university exists but the only purpose is to rubber stamp these per- few people because actually this is a minority of people that actually end up in in those programs mm-hmm. right like we're talking i don't know the number but probably less than five percent of all people at good university require that professional designation at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, if, if you had the chance and the opportunity to kind of reinvent how you learn things, how would it be different, mm-hmm. right? Uh, would you kind of uh, make it a little bit more immersive, right? Uh, you, you do kind of this generalist and then the specialization when, when you get into the healthcare. Uh, should you have done that? Would, would you have uh, given people more opportunity to kind of explore earlier on or, or, or later on, right? right? Uh, is is the fact that you have courses uh, that that happen kind of nine to five that sort of thing? It, it, is that even even relevant, right? The, the fact that you get uh, summers off, right, it was the fact of like the the agricultural <laughs> society where people had to go and and take care of their harvests, right? So <laughs> those types of things where shouldn't shouldn't you be learning like all year round? Because there, there's I, a big brain I'm drain a, that happens over the summer, right? So <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge advocate of university summers. Like for me, that was one of the best parts of university. I, you take that away from me too, I'm really hurting now yeah. well so so there are different so, different models right so in 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 the states uh some some of the schools they go um kind of three three four months on and then one month mm-hmm. in between so they do three real semesters but instead of taking two months off in the summer there's a, a two three uh week break in between right right so it's a right. it's a different way of of doing things where yes summers are awesome <laughs> summers are great <laughs> to do that but uh, again are there different ways to do it if if the goal is is to learn and and to, to retain that information and keep that uh, experience there right so 
let's take this back a little bit because I, I kind of know your background because I read your book and we did go to school together <laughs> for a long time. Plus, if people haven't figured it out, he's also Asian. <laughs> and so being Asian comes with certain like Asian family values, right? So it's pretty much, I'm assuming without having ever met your parents that it was drummed into you that you had to go to university as a kid, I, right? I don't know if it's actually drummed into me. As, as I think back, it, it was kind of an expectation of, of kind of the culture and society, but they never mandated right. that I did it. And, and I guess on the <laughs> other side, I never thought that I should do anything different. It was so insidious. They didn't even have to say it. It's just understood that it's going to get done. It's like you get up for breakfast, you have lunch, and you go to university. Yeah. That's a regular life, 100%, right? Yeah. That, it was just expect- – <laughs> I, I, I never even thought to question it. It was just like, oh, of course. So now time has passed. You've finished university. You've worked for many years, and now you've, you're, you're, you're breaking down that stereotype, mm-hmm. right? We're going to get rid of that model. So how, what was your process of like how did you evolve to this point now where you, you really have opened your mind to this idea that, that this should not be the paradigm that we all live in? Well, w- with a lot of research and kind of a lot of reflection. So I- if I think about uh, my university experience, and, and a lot of folks will probably relate, where uh, how much of the actual class and, and learning do you truly remember? Right. If you actually think about uh, sitting there in front of a professor, uh, uh, being talked to for one, two hours, how much of that do you truly remember? Right. And then taking the assignments and the exams like that, that you crammed for, you, you got a 60, 70, 80, 90 percent, whatever you got. Uh, how much of that do you yeah. truly remember? Right. So so if, if you think about the, the three, four, five years that you spent there. Like how much of it was 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 well used from from a learning perspective. So so if we take that from the learning, uh, then then uh, there's a lot to be uh, wanted in terms of that. Now there's a lot of experience where meeting friends and learning how to manage your time and all that sort of stuff. That there's all that stuff that that happens with with university. But I wouldn't say that's because of class. <laughs> that's not because of going to school. That that right. that you learn all that. Um, so if you take that learning side, could there have been a different way of doing it? Uh, in order mm-hmm. for you to actually retain that. Uh, did it actually have to take you four years to do that? Uh, could you have picked a, little, a fewer subjects or different subjects to learn uh, more or differently? So how did it work for you? Like you went into university with this expectation that this is just going to happen. I'm going to get through this because I have to. And you got through it. And and then what? Like, was it pleasant going through it or was it a struggle? Like, what, what was it like? No, it wasn't great. <laughs> I, I almost <laughs> failed out of my, my first year. So uh, I got into a, a co-op program and uh, you need to maintain a, a minimum average to, to, to get there. So you need a, mm-hmm. a, a B average, right? So it, it doesn't mean that I failed. I, I kind of Asian failed, <laughs> that type of thing, where, where I wasn't. You got 85, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, no it's it closer to 75, but in university, that's generally what, what you're, you're thinking about. So I almost failed right. out of my program because of, of that, just poor habits and, and all, all sorts of different uh, reasons why I, I, I did that. Um, but it was one where... In, in hindsight, I, after all this is done, when I reflect back, I, I kind of really thought to myself, did I really learn all that much, right? Um, mm-hmm. So in, in, the, in the moment, like, uh, I didn't take advantage of uh, all the things that uh, university does provide in terms of like the culture, the people, like extracurriculars, doing clubs and, and uh, getting involved uh, from, a, from a campus perspective. Because I was in a, in a commuter school, so I had to uh, travel by, by bus so there and back, right? So I didn't really stay on campus. So I, di- I didn't really join a club until my last year. You were at the University of Toronto, right? is that right? 
Yeah, I was on, on the Scarborough campus, right? So it's one of those kind of okay. satellite campuses. Um, and uh, yeah, I can probably count on my, my two hands, the amount of friends <laughs> that I had. So I wasn't a social butterfly by any means, uh, that sort of thing. And so it was a little bit more, more, more challenged uh, from, an, from an experience perspective. This sounds like super dreary. Like yep. you didn't really connect to the campus. Mm-hmm. So you didn't do any of the like ancillary mm-hmm. stuff and you weren't studying and learning the book stuff. So really what was going on during that period? Well, yeah, for that first year, it was it was pretty bad, right? So, uh, okay. and, and then the, the second and third year, uh, I and the fourth year, I, I finally got my act together and started studying a little bit more, right? And I got better marks and mm-hmm. stuff of that. Um, but at, at the cost of, you know what, I, I need to focus on my school because that's why I'm here, right? I need to focus on my mm-hmm. marks. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I might as well do that. So it wasn't a great experience. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's is going to be different. I, I, I don't want to say that my experience is going to be typical <laughs> for, for most folks. Um, but, right. but a lot of it uh, can be because when all you're doing is focused on getting that 4.0 or, or that A or whatever it is, uh, and you're not doing all those other things, that, then you're missing a huge uh, kind of piece of potential uh, for, for you to, to be in that kind of university environment. So, mm-hmm. I mean... I think your story probably resonates with more people than you think. Like, I don't know. I don't know how many people I've met like over the years who will say, well, and some people are very like conscious of this, even as they're going through university, right? They realize we're not here to learn. I just need that rubber stamp. So I meet many people. I guess it's partly being in medicine and knowing all these pre-meds, right? They don't care about the learning. They don't, they know they don't need the science. They just want a good grade so they can move to the next stage, Mm -hmm. right? And how many people have we said, have we heard say to us, I learned nothing in university or what I learned isn't relevant to my career, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's universal. Like I think most of us who've gone to university would say this, Mm -hmm. right? And how many people finish university and are not doing anything related to their career at all? Yeah. And I think uh, going back to the education side for a bit, like one of the big challenges that uh, getting that rubber stamp, a lot of people uh, focus on learning for the test not actually learning mm-hmm. for the learning because oftentimes right. you cram and, and once you've done the test, like you forget everything, right? So that's mm-hmm. one thing where it's not really well um, uh, kind of accepted from a culture perspective is, is uh, yeah, you, you need to actually truly learn. Uh, and and the, the aspect about the, the other non-academic, non-class stuff about learning, um, I, I would argue like, do you actually need to be in school to get that learning? Because if you kind of shipped your kid off to any sort of like apprenticeship learning, whatever camp, and they had to live <laughs> off on their own, then they'd get the same kind of learning and experience. It's just that uh, for, for four years, five years, uh, kids get like a free pass. You're expected to go away and, and do nothing but read and, and assignments and stuff. And then once in a while party and things like that, or more than often party, depending on <laughs> the type of kid you are. But it, it's one where they're not expected to kind of work or, or or, or do anything and, and their their school is their work right so uh could they get the, uh that life learning life school experience doing something else um probably and, and if you subsidize your kid for whatever uh 20 40 50 thousand a year <laughs> basically uh to, to do that well i i'm sure you could probably make, have a more effective way of doing that as well so so that's that's kind of some of the uh discussion points i have on on college and university for for many people it's going to work uh, for a lot of folks, it's 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 there's going to be different ways and, and better ways to do it. Uh, but unfortunately, there aren't too many alternatives right now, um, just because of of, of that the right. perception that uh, an education or a degree has with with a lot of people right now. So, well, let's let's get into this issue a little bit here then. So, your take on it is it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent, 
what I want you to tell me is give me some examples of people who didn't go to university that you know of. And it, you know, the more personal, the better, because we all know the examples of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and everyone's tired of hearing Mm -hmm. about this, right? Like you get a bunch of super geniuses who drop out of college and become super successful in life. That's not really relevant to most people. Mm Right. And then those guys, their stories are from the 1970s, right. Or the early 1980s type of Mm -hmm. thing. But what about now? Like, what are some examples of people that you can point to that? And you don't have to tell us their names (laughs) or anything, but just, you know, what are their stories? Like, how how did they make this work for them that we can actually point at some role models for people who are thinking this way? Sure. So so uh, one gentleman comes to mind where uh, he's now. Uh, well, he, he actually ha- has uh, changed his career quite quite a few times, uh, but at the peak of his career, he was kind of a, a senior director at one of the large telecoms, uh, but he actually mm-hmm. had the um, kind of understanding and foresight to, to ask for a, a demotion <laughs> because he realized that he didn't want to be in that executive level, and now mm-hmm. he has kind of a uh, a life where he he uh, lives kind of in a, in a in a beachfront property <laughs> type of thing mm-hmm. um, that's uh, outside the city and and he, he he enjoys his life right so so how he started is uh, like he finished high school right and, and uh, basically because of some some uh, traumatic circumstances in his life he wasn't able to go to university he had to provide for his brothers and sisters and his family and stuff like that so he wasn't able to do that mm-hmm. and basically what he did he did he 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 hustled right he started at like the call center of uh, one of these, these uh, call centers. Uh, and then at, uh, in the evenings, he worked. Um, but then on occasion, he tried to uh, meet with other people and, and, and get more experience. Um, so during his work, even though he was a, a call center rep, he would uh, meet other people and, and interact and, and help them on projects. And he moved from the call center um, to, to an, another area of the company. And then uh, just because he was able to demonstrate that he could do the work, he uh, w- mm-hmm. was always tapped on the shoulder for bigger and better opportunities up to the point where mm-hmm. he was kind of uh, climbing the corporate ladder all the way up to, to, to director. Uh, for those that don't know what a director is, it's, it's a manager of managers uh, is essentially what it is, um, leading a team of uh, a couple hundred people, that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, a lot of the people under him had uh, un- undergrads, had uh, MBAs, had master's degrees uh, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was uh, doing well, but but uh, he, he started burning out. Um, and and uh, he, he realized that he, he didn't want to be in this rat race um, earlier in his career. He, he was lucky enough to get into some, some property investment. So he had uh, one and then two properties. And then he realized that uh, like he would rather spend his day doing the work that he enjoyed, which was actually like two or three levels lower um, because he got mm-hmm. to interact with people and actually saw the fruits of his labor and stuff like that. Uh, and then he, he actually asked for a demotion <laughs> to kind of go down that uh, lower pay, mm-hmm. lower responsibility. Uh, but he gets, gets home. Uh, and, and he's able to spend more time with his kids and, and all sorts of other things. And, and he's a lot happier in his life. So, um, right. so, so that's kind of one simple one. Um, and it's, it's one where, in, in all honesty, like to find the, the folks that uh, don't take university in, in, in a country like Canada is going to be few and far between <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those cultures where like uh, going to university, going to college is almost an expectation. Right. As, as mm-hmm. we started off with, like, uh, you wake up, you have breakfast and then you go to university, <laughs> that, that type of thing. Right. It, it's it's uh, almost the ex- 
expectation. But I, I think it's changing now where people realize that uh, the, the uh, piece of paper that you get is not necessarily worth as much uh, or people are trying to figure out how do I get the most out of uh, that experience in order to make that, mm. that university experience that. So that's one example. I have uh, like a whole bunch, bunch more. Uh, but a lot of it usually starts with um, some sort of difficult circumstances, right? Because for those right. that, are, that are privileged, they tend to uh, have university as an available option, right? Those that right. don't, then they have to make other ends meet. And, and I find that it's a bit of that adversity, uh, that getting over things and building of that resilience that actually is, is another helpful uh, part of it where uh, they didn't have things kind of handed for them. They, their, their parents didn't pay for, for, the, for the residency and, and, and books and, and all that sort of stuff for them to live kind of uh, worry-free uh, for, for, for right. four or five or, or 25 years <laughs> for you, whatever. Um, and and they, they had to kind of figure out how to do things uh, on their own, right? So, I mean... As a parent, and especially as an Asian parent, the part of this story that makes me cringe a little mm -hmm. bit is I've, I've heard the variations of this type of story too. I'm, we all have, right? Because you're basically, there's people who are dictated by circumstance that they could yep. not go to university and they succeeded, right? Usually it involves some sort of hustle, yep. right? They have to really hustle and start at ground zero and build themselves up. In traditionally, like the culture that, I, that we grew up in, the idea was that you could skip the hustle mm -hmm. by going to university, right? So university is the safer, more secure option, right? Like you could fast track your way into middle level, mm -hmm. right? You, you can skip that internship part where you may fail brutally, mm -hmm. right? And I like, is that not the case anymore? Like is going to university not even giving us that little buffer anymore? Yeah, I think it's one where because it's so competitive right now, like everybody and their uncle and their little cousin, whatever, has a degree, Right. So it, mm -hmm. it's so competitive nowadays that in, in my parents and my grandparents ge uh, generation, a degree meant something uh, because you were part of mm -hmm. the, the few that actually knew that. Uh, but so many people have some sort of uh, piece of paper. Uh, so a lot of the differentiators right now and having been on the recruiting side, a, a lot of the differentiators is work experience. Like, can you actually mm -hmm. demonstrate what you learned in, in theory? That's why I put mm -hmm. something like like being a doctor in a different camp because you have that residency component where you do get that experience. Uh, people who do mm -hmm. co-op, right? That's a different camp because you actually get four four months, six work terms, twelve, uh, however many months of, of of work experience, and you actually get to uh, a practice. But uh, I, I, I use the example if if you were going to uh, learn swimming, uh, and you had the choice between an instructor that wrote uh, that read every single book on swimming, um, or an mm -hmm. instructor that uh, basically ha has been in the pool for the past uh, two years, right? Which mm -hmm. would you rather learn from? <laughs> well, in university, you're probably getting an instructor who's like a specialist in understanding like how the goggles fit on your head yeah. and wrote some research papers on that only. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's one where if, if that, that's that specialization, but oftentimes if, if, you haven't experienced it, it, it it's, a, it's a different experience. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be the, the world's foremost, whatever it is. Uh, it just means that you kind of have, have been there, done that a little bit and so that you can mm -hmm. do it. Now, teaching, people would argue, is, is different than, than actually doing. Um, so so that, that's a different discussion. But it's one where uh, if you are going to hire someone, um, so, so let's put it as that, if you were going to hire someone to, to, to be a swimmer, right, uh, join your, your swim team, uh, the person who read every single book on swimming versus the one who's been in the pool, right? You're going to mm -hmm. pick the one who's done it before, 
right? Um, so, so that's that's the challenge in, in the current system where the, the, the majority of it, you don't have that practical work experience. And now it's changing where mm-hmm. they have these work integrated learning programs where I think they're, they're uh, trying for in the next couple of years that every single um, course has to have some sort of uh, work component included, right? So, mm-hmm. and that could be, uh, a, a theoretical case where there's a local business or a local something that that is looking for something, and then you have to do that um, and create your assignment based on that, right? Um, okay. But the thing is, it, it's it's still theory because they they may not ever implement that. They might not have ha- have to deal with the consequences of what you suggested. Um, so so it, it, it's a, it's another challenge in there, right? So again, the 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 university experience is not one where it has no value. It's one where there's probably a lot of other alternatives out there that could mm-hmm. um, add value. Um, so if we go back to the examples and other ones that I would uh, cite it and, and you probably have heard of a few variations of this is someone and, and there's still a bit of that hustle, but it wasn't the hustle in terms of they had to do it is they, they just had drive. So, so someone in, in, uh, in high school was that person who always uh, kind of tried to do more and, and stuff. So they found uh, over a summer. Uh, that that they they were doing kind of like like website social media marketing and all that sort of stuff and they were this is someone that you went to high school no 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 not someone this is a kid oh, <laughs> so okay. that that uh, that that I know of um, they basically build them themselves up for um, and and their capabilities saying hey I can do this for your website hey I can do this for your mm-hmm. um, for your social media page or whatever and uh, e- eventually they they kept on doing it they kept on deferring uh, their their university start. Uh, and they kept on mm-hmm. deferring it. And, and last I heard, they they've have uh, a company with, uh, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 employees, uh, and they've still deferred <laughs> their, their mm-hmm. start date, right? So it, it's one where oftentimes if you find something that you're you're good at and you can do, uh, there, there are other ways of, of learning how to do it um, versus going to, to school and spending uh, four years, $100,000 in order to get that, right? So, um, but that type of life uh, doesn't work for for all people because they had to mm-hmm. come up with the learnings themselves they had to have the the uh, self-awareness and understanding that they could turn this into something for themselves um, and and kind of the, the bravery so to speak to, to say well even though I don't have a, a degree to say that I know how to do it I can still demonstrate it for the 10 20 other clients that I've done it for that I can really do it so uh, mm-hmm. th- that's that's another side of the coin as well Getting back to this whole business of like, what are the alternatives of going to university? So you've labeled, you know, doing some co-op or adding some work into it. It sounds like your other big part of it would naturally be just get a job, mm-hmm. like get into the workforce and start getting your hands dirty, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, start from the bottom and slowly work your way up. Like the examples you gave mm-hmm. is, is there other, other alternatives like in the present day, like other ways that like, like the, when I hear this, I'm a little bit like s- edgy because I don't feel like university is just to learn to work. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have, especially in Canada, this idea that you go to university and it's basically pre-career training, mm-hmm. right? From a from an educational institution to set you up to do whatever it is you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But I do have this like ancient Greek like uh, f- idea that going to university is just for the sake of learning. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it really should be for, mm-hmm. right? You know, like learning for the sake of learning. Like this is your last chance to read Plato. Sure. It's your last chance to understand World War One and how it started. And most people roll their eyes and like, I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. But actually that stuff is very important. And it comes back 
later in your life, right? In terms of who you are, how you understand the world and all this stuff. And I know a ton of people are not using university to learn these mm -hmm. things, but there are some people that do, right? And that's what I think part of going to university is for. It's for this last chance to really open your horizons. It's not, to me, supposed to just be for pre-career training, mm -hmm. right? And are we oversimplifying the thing? Like we're, we're really saying, okay, yeah, from a pre-career training standpoint, it's not great, mm -hmm. right? But if I, if I quit school and start going to, you know, get a job where I might be working 65, 70 hours doing pretty menial work, mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to have time to learn all this extra stuff in life, mm -hmm. which may help me be more well-rounded later. Because, like, I don't want to stereotype, but, like, you know, you talk about a lot of these people who are hustling and they're hustlers. They're not super well-read necessarily. Mm -hmm. They are not super well-understanding of, um, you know, a lot of these, like, things that aren't, immediately relevant mm -hmm. like they tend to be very practical people mm -hmm. right they tend to be like very practical results oriented and that's why they're on the hustle and that's why the hustle works for mm -hmm. them but what about all the other stuff in life that's important that you know like the arts the history and the english like how, where do you get that sure. stuff from if you need to 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 learn it yeah and i, I would i would argue that uh, university doesn't necessarily uh, give you that uh, unless you're, you're forced to in some sort of course elective or whatever that you have to take but i think it's really or you choose or it. you choose some it. people choose sure, it. yeah but but i think it's, it's really up to uh, people to say you know what in all honesty i don't think that you should stop learning at university right you should you mm -hmm. should be a lifelong learner that every year every few months that you're constantly trying to look at the arts uh, th through uh new science uh new technology new s social policy or something like that and be a lifelong mm -hmm. learner so uh i, I think that the university is a, a bit of a, a scapegoat for that where we're like okay i'm, I'm finished all that and and my learning is finished so um t t to answer your question I, I don't think there's too many alternatives right now right so part of why i'm doing what i'm doing is to try to create one of those alternatives right because um, mm -hmm. because right now it's you go to school uh, or, or you 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 go into the workforce uh, whereas part of what what i want to try to do is cr to create kind of this this medium in the sense that why don't I, I i teach you to learn first why don't i teach you to have a love of learning and then you can point that into whatever you want right now some people will have like circumstances where they need rent over their head they have to uh, like uh, provide for four kids or whatever it is they need to do um, so right. so it might not be the, the, the easiest thing for them uh, but for for uh, others it's it's figuring out how do you carve out an hour of your day uh, um, two hours of your day or multiple hours in the week or whatever to pick up some sort of skill and, and demonstrate mm -hmm. that you can do that and then uh, hopefully get someone to get value from it and then when someone's getting value from it then could you charge for it Right. And then turn mm -hmm. that into something where it becomes a, a side income, a side hustle, as people uh, talk about it. And, and I don't necessarily think that that, that hustle is, is is a bad thing. Right. And, and being mm -hmm. practical, <laughs> I don't think that's a, a bad thing either. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it's one where like for, for some people uh, having kind of the, this this artsy understanding be um uh, a contemporary, contemporary or, or a polymath or a renaissance man type of thing uh, is for some people, but it's not for everyone. Some people want to be just really good at, at what, what they know. Um, and it, it's one where a, a lot of the, the kind of social and soft skills, uh, if, if, I could, if you could get learning for that, um, a, a lot of the, the meta skills that you need, then uh, you could learn. And, and the thing is, because of the pace of technology, 
things are changing anyway, right? So I'm mm-hmm. sure like the medical advancements uh, when when you were in school versus right now, like uh, th- there's certain things that are that are standard, like they, they don't really change. But there's other things where like it's totally different uh, between mm-hmm. when you're growing up. And um, I, I, I was reading something about like um, like babies, right? So you used to sleep them on their back. And then there's all this research to sleep them on the front. And then now it's switching right. to the back. And I don't know, will it, they switch it to the front later on and all those different <laughs> things. And then like bleeding noses, right? It used to be that you, you, you would tilt your head back and then no, right. now it's tilted forward. And then, and then something else is going to contrary back and forth. So right. Our, our understanding of things is always evolving. 100%. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think what you're trying to say is we should always be able to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. That's the main skill, like evolve with the times, right. right? I think there's no better example than the coronavirus, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone's trying to rethink how they do stuff, how they work, how they buy groceries. And it's not a, it's a bad thing in the sense that, you know, it's a pandemic and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, forcing ourselves out of that comfort zone and forcing ourselves to adapt, that's a test, mm-hmm. right? And the better you are at adapting, the more successful you will be. That might be the the meta skill that we're really talking about, right. right? Just how to roll with it. And university, by definition, doesn't inherently teach you that, mm-hmm. right? Because university, by definition, is you following the train tracks that were laid out from your birth, and you're just putting in time to get those grades, and suddenly it ends, and you're not sure what you're supposed to do with sure. any of that. And for me, like, you know, you've alluded to a bunch of times that medicine fits in the university model. I'll tell you, firsthand and when you get out of your residency you're like almost 30 years old you get all the same problems because you don't know how to handle any of these questions they've they've never really been adequately addressed to you yeah and i find that a lot of people uh, who are are not a lot but some people might actually uh defer the decisions by going to more school Mm -hmm. like they take the masters they take the phd because they they still (laughs) don't want to commit so i'll go for more school (laughs) i think you're talking about my cousin i have this cousin living in the u.s who's been who had just finished school like i don't even know how old he is anymore it's crazy (laughs) yeah a lot of folks uh just don't ask that question so if um like the the alternatives right now is obviously you have universities you have your colleges and now there's all sorts of different like learning boot camps right so it, it's mm-hmm. starting with with a tech side where instead of taking a four-year degree you can take four months and basically learn very specific skills in order to do what you want to do now it, it doesn't obviously have exactly the same thing as as a four-year five-year university undergrad or master's or whatever but it'll get you a very specific employable skill sets right um mm-hmm. so f- for me it would be at instead of doing like learning how to code it's learning to be adaptable resilient learning mm-hmm. to learn like how to uh, build relationships and connect with people how to communicate how to manage your time like if you had a mm-hmm. school that 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 focused on that then you you have someone who is really good at all those things and you point them to anything and, and they'll do well right mm-hmm. uh, now if, if you if you uh, have someone who is very in-depth at, at any particular uh, discipline uh, without some of those skills they may or may not fare as well in, in, in the real world, right? So like the, the alternative that I'm trying to create is is something where you focus on those those meta skills, um, kind of the, those those soft skills as, as people call it. And, and they're really only called soft skills because it's really relative, right? When, when you learn mm-hmm. math, like two plus two is four, right? But if you say, mm-hmm. well, that person's a good communicator, well, compared to whom, right? It, it's it, in what context? Like uh, if, if, you can't have uh, like like me. Most people say I'm I'm a pretty good communicator, right? 
But at the same mm-hmm. time, you compare me to like a, a Barack Obama or someone, it's like I'm not even close. Right? <laughs> um, but it, it, for so it, it's all a, a relative scale, right? Um, so mm. if we can try to say um, how how do we show that someone is is good at um, at, at building a, a relationship with someone, uh, then they would be amazing salespeople, business development, uh, even leaders, because right. a lot of re- leaders, in order to uh, manage an organization, you have to be able to build relationships so that you can uh, work with people. So so turning those into into courses and and being able to teach them uh, and and doing so experientially, right? Because you can read mm-hmm. all the books you want about communication and 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 networking and whatever but until you're actually in front of someone presenting until you're actually uh, meeting with someone and, and and building a meaningful connection then then you can't say that you really know it uh, without that that uh, experiential part of it too mm-hmm. right so w- taking it a bit back to sort of this main issue of like parenting and working with our children as they go through this if we're going to deal with them from the standpoint that you know higher education may not be for them and it's not essential, mm-hmm. right? What are things we can do even early on, like say starting in middle school or high school to prepare them for this idea, right? Because, you know, you mentioned co-op and these things. Some of these things exist in university. I think they exist at the end of high school also, mm-hmm. right? But what are other ways that you think that we could try to unlock our child's uh, soft skills and prepare them to be open-minded and engage the love of the learning button because I feel like this isn't just happening in university. Yep. This this stuff starts, it's really early, right? Mm-hmm. There's kids studying just for the test in grade five yep. or grade three, yep. right? So how do we change that? Because I feel like by the, by the time you get to 17, it's probably too late, you know, like with all things. Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's never too late, <laughs> but it, it might be more challenging. Yes, for sure. For sure. Right. So there's an easy way and a hard yeah. way. <laughs> and and it, it's one where, to be honest, I, I haven't necessarily figured that out yet, right? So, so a lot mm. of the folks that I work with are in the post-secondary crowd uh, because I kind of understand that demographic, what they're doing, uh, what they're going through. The high school mm-hmm. crowd, uh, I haven't necessarily uh, understood that. And the elementary school or primary school crowd, I, I, I understand even less. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for okay. me, it's, it's less about the age and more about kind of a level of maturity, right? Because mm-hmm. you have some y- young folks, I know some like grade 10s that are like ridiculously advanced and mature for their age. And some right. like uh, thirty-year-olds are like, really? You're still a kid, really? <laughs> You're just a thirty-year-old well, maturity, kid. Maturity, maturity seems to be like a, a catch-all for drive, right? Like self-motivated yeah. love of learning. Some people have that inherently. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, you don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Like why some people are hardwired that way and some people aren't. Mm-hmm. But I guess the question is if that's the minority of people, because the minority, my own experience at university is that most people are not wired that mm-hmm. way. Right. Most people, given a choice, are out partying or vegetating on the couch watching TV instead of, you know, Mm self-improvement. That's not something that happens a ton of Mm -hmm. in university. Like if that's the minority of people, how do we get more people out of that zone? So I I don't know if I have the answer, but but if I were to come up with some suggestions, it would be, uh, first of all, understanding that a lot of it is is due to uh, entitlement, (laughs) right? Mm. Because these, uh, they've never had to work. They've never had to fend for themselves. They don't really understand the value of a dollar, like the the partying that they're doing, right? Like if, unless they've actually earned the money to go out and and have those drinks, go to that bar or go to that club or whatever, then it's it's a different um, uh, mindset and perspective (laughs) than if, oh, you just get your allowance in doing that. So, so mm-hmm. if you really want to uh, have people have, uh, or your kids have a different perspective, let them earn it, 
right and and, and mm-hmm. kind of uh, understand what what it takes to to uh, to party for a weekend and spend a hundred a thousand dollars or whatever right uh, mm-hmm. the, their hard-earned cash uh, at whatever fourteen dollars an hour <laughs> it takes a long time to earn that right um, so so that would be um, one part of it and, and the other part is is actually let them uh, make mistakes right because a lot mm-hmm. of times there's uh, a, a lot of uh, coddling that's done where uh, parents aren't, aren't uh, letting their, their kids fail, right? Uh, mm-hmm. th- there was, um, pe- people talk about like helicopter parents that that, that uh, kind of are always um, watching their kids. And I've heard the term uh, like bulldozer or like lawnmower parents where they're like <laughs> in front trying to clear the way. And, and, and yeah. actually... Uh, when when I was running the the campus recruiting program for for one of the the big former consulting firms, there was an actual experience where uh, someone came in, uh, th- their resume looked very impressive, uh, they they went for an interview and they totally bombed it, and and the next uh, day I, I got don't tell me their mom came I got in. I got me. a phone call from their mom. <laughs> To say hi, uh, I know that you interviewed my son, and uh, I was wondering if we could redo it because he was having a bad day and something like that. And I'm like, wait, wait did that just happen? <laughs> uh, so th- th- there, are, there's that aspect of it, right? And and the the more that you can let him kind of fail and learn when he was in grade five or whatever, because she was probably doing that for his entire life, and and right. and so he never the- got any uh, better or whatever, right? So the question that that jumps to my mind is. Were they Chinese? To be honest, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I <laughs> they're of Asian descent <laughs> for sure. Um, but good but, enough. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it is. It does speak to the challenges of parenting. Like one of my mom's proudest achievements is she dragged me as a high school student into the hospital and told the volunteer people that I want to volunteer in the <laughs> hospital. I was too afraid to say a word to anyone at that point. And then they asked like, do you want to volunteer with patients or without? I'm like, no, no, I don't need to see any patients. <laughs> so they stuck me in the back in the records department, but that's how I got my start. And it's one of my mom's proudest achievements, I have to say. How old are you then? I think I was in grade nine or 10. Okay. I think I, I did this for a couple of years at the beginning of high school. Yeah. I, I think exposing your, your kids to different aspects, because a lot of folks is uh, like, I want to be an accountant. I want to be a doctor. I want to be whatever. But but how many mm-hmm. accountants or doctors or lawyers or whatever do they actually know, right? Have they actually experienced? Mm-hmm. Like, and not the TV shows that they've watched, but actually <laughs> going through them. And, and yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about uh, like spending a, a summer or whatever in, in the actual place that you want to work at. And is that mm-hmm. actually the type of work that, that you want to do? Because a lot of folks, even, even in, in university, are, are there. Like they have a clear vision of what they want to do. Yet they don't know mm-hmm. a single person who does that work or has ever experienced any of it. They just get the right. the, the, the course. So the sooner that you can do that, the sooner that they can understand. And uh, with 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 everything, then they'll realize, oh, there's there's good parts and there's bad parts, right? So so how do you focus on the good parts and how do you uh, minimize the, the the bad parts and and how do you understand like. Uh, how do you make this not so good part enjoyable or mm-hmm. how do you get over it? How do you get through it? Um, so, so those are uh, other types of skills that, that I'd encourage you uh, to, to, to do uh, and, and kind of instill on your kids. And the thing is I'm, I'm figuring it out as well. Right. So I, I have mm-hmm. uh, two small kids and, and I have no idea, like I'll be experimenting with them <laughs> as they grow up, but uh, well, yeah. 
we've we've talked about this like off the air there's all sorts of other ideas that you have mm -hmm. like this whole idea of like creating mentorship programs mm -hmm. right like make mentorship more available i mean that sounds like it would fit in with what we just said yeah. about how expose your children to stuff like find someone that they can watch do a job mm -hmm. right and gives them some ideas problem i have sometimes with that type of thing especially when the kids are young is their whole viewpoint about a certain career or a certain life mm -hmm. is dictated by that one example that they see mm -hmm. right and i had that problem in medicine where i would see someone and i'd just be like i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be that other guy either like they all look grouchy or they <laughs> didn't sleep well they're they're not doing it the way that i would want to do it and eventually in your career you get to a point where you say you know what this is how i'm going to do mm -hmm. it it took me like 10 years to figure that out, right. right? Like of actually working, but it's not easy to do because sometimes these mentors and role models don't really exist. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the soft skill that we should really push is this ability to adapt, you know, whatever situation you're in, make it work for you somehow, yeah. you know, make it better. Don't just be hemmed in by saying, well, there's that example of that dude that did it that way. So I must follow that example. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, it's one of those things where the traditional uh, career path is, is you're doing one thing for 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that that's the case anymore. I, I just saw a, a LinkedIn post where there was a guy who uh, he was a, a, a Navy SEAL, uh, mm -hmm. and then he uh, completed his uh, m medical degree at Harvard. Uh, and then he, I forget what the third thing was, is I think like a, a professor or doctor or something kind of more on, uh, right. not, not a doctor, but more on the business side. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and he did that. And I think he's like 40 something, right? Um, and, wow. and then like when he's 50 or 60, he'll probably do something else, right? Mm -hmm. So so the um, type of careers are, are changing where where doing one thing is not necessarily mm -hmm. the um, the be all and end all. So, so I would kind of point to you is like, you're probably a doctor for your first kind of uh, 20 parts of your career, but you could, if you really want to make the decision to, to leave it all and become a, a podcast uh, host, right? <laughs> Do something totally different. <laughs> I'm right? trying, yeah. I'm trying, <laughs> but I, this is probably a good conversation for another day because you yourself went through some career changes mm -hmm. also, which I would love to talk about some more. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I think we gave people a pretty good take on like, university and higher education and open up some questions about it i mean i have i thought of a whole bunch more questions as we were talking yeah. but this has gone on pretty long <laughs> so i think we might have to file some of those questions for next time for sure i'm happy to address them but but what i want folks to kind of take away is just make sure that university is is not the uh the answer just because right it's it's not one of those things like well why do i have to go to university well just because it's and there's an actual understanding of what is this experience going to provide me what i'm going to get out of right. it what am i going to do with it and and why it's 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 relevant if it's a just because answer that's probably not a good way to do it and you could probably put your investment in, in, in a different place in a different area mm. right so i think it's getting people off of that i call it the, the conveyor belt of life which is exactly <laughs> what, what you said that there's just an expectation you're supposed to do it right uh, but people right. don't really understand the, the why and, and if they can get out of that then then they'll be better off right i mean to close i have a little bit of a story about the conveyor belt of life <laughs> I finished my residency, I think it was in 2007. In 2005, when I finished medical school, I, part of me was like, you know, do I want to go into residency right away? And one of, the, one of the trendy things that some people in med school were doing was they were applying to get a master's in public health, which is just another degree. It's not that hard to get into. 
and I applied to like you know a couple of like fancy pants schools in the U.S. And, and in England, I got into school in England, and I was like, okay, I could do this. And I, I realized, wow, with the medical degree, more universities are lining up to take you in because they all want your money at that point. So I got in, but then I said, you know what, I really need to learn some medicine. So I I I decided, you know, I'll defer that. I'm gonna go to do my residency training. At the end of the residency training, I still had like this school mindset. But at that time, people who know me know that like I have this thing where I really want to be a writer. Like that's been there since I was like a little kid. So when I finished residency, I was like, you know what? I really want to try this. I'm going to apply to get a master's in fine arts. So there's these, this thing called an MFA where they have these creative writing schools, right? So I applied to a whole bunch and, you know, you're supposed to submit a writing sample. And my sample wasn't that great. But I did get into one school in University of British Columbia, actually. So I had this tiny chance that I could go and actually try this like writer lifestyle. And my girlfriend was like, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> right. So and now we're married. Right. But so I didn't do that. But a part of me was always like, maybe I should have done that. And and the MFA is one of these degrees that's really bizarre. Like, I don't know if you know much about it. Right. But if you talk about rubber stamping a degree, this is really one of those examples. So what they do is they take a bunch of aspiring writers, right? Put them in a room and you do workshop on writing for, for two years, right? Workshop means you put 15 aspiring writers, you read each other's work and you critique each other's work, right? And then there'll be like one published writer who runs the class. And then you do a bunch of these workshops for these two years. And presumably you're building some connections to the writer community and it may enhance your ability to get published slightly. I ended up not going, but I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to take some writing classes instead. So I did some continuing education classes at the University of Toronto. One of my classes was taught by this Canadian writer named David Gilmore. And he he worked with us for the semester. And at the end of the semester, he's like, you guys don't need to go to writing school. It's a complete waste of time, <laughs> right? I was like, what? And he said, everything you need to learn is just learn through that process of you sitting down and writing a novel, right? There's nothing that the school will teach you that you can't figure out on your own and that you shouldn't figure out on your own. Like you really need to go through that process, right? There's no substitute. And having a bunch of like wannabe writers who are all super jealous if you write well, right? Critique your stuff endlessly so that you feel really bad about your skills is not the way to go, right? And it kind of opened this light to me. And even now, like, you know, I'm really Asian. I, it's hard for, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I wonder what it would be like to go and do one of these workshops again, right? Like, like it's hard to get rid of that feeling. But that was really the point where I realized, you know what? These are just degrees. There's no point. Like, how, when was the last time you read a novel because the guy had an MFA, right? <laughs> like, who even knows what that's for? And most people who do an MFA, they might get one book published and that's it, right? There, it's, n it's not a guarantee of anything. It's one of these bizarre degrees that exists for almost no clear purpose except fundraising for the university. So I don't know. Yeah, and it's one of those things where if you actually think about it, um, like you're, you're getting this, this degree that is certified by someone, but, but who is the someone? Like, are they yeah. actually good writers? Like, do they have a bestseller <laughs> or whatever? And, and uh, right. like that goes back to pretty much any anyone that you go to. But uh, yeah, that's a yeah. different topic. But yeah, just just think about. I I would agree with you that that having that adaptability. Um, so for me, it's it's really that learning mindset, um, and mm -hmm. and and learning to learn and and all those things that that come with it. 
that that would be the, the most important thing to instill on on your kids or whoever's going into university or whatever um, or whoever's going out into the world <laughs> and, and if you can cultivate that then you'll be a lot uh, in, a, in a great spot all right well lukey thanks for your time and hopefully we'll see you again soon thanks for having me david